today on The Journey from Steve DeWitt. We have freedom. God's will is not a tightrope. It's that we love him, delight in him, please him, and make decisions with that in mind. Because when you are loving God and his, his glory is your priority, he changes our desires and now we want what he wants in our life and the decisions we make conform with what he would have us to do. Welcome to The Journey with Steve DeWitt, senior pastor and Bible teacher at Bethel Church in Northwest Indiana. In the beginning, God granted Adam and Eve free will and the freedom to choose right and the freedom to choose wrong. And like our predecessors, we also have freedom of choice. So how can we discern God's will as we navigate our fallen reality? Today, Pastor Steve shares a message about how to align our choices with God's will. It's titled, Dear God, What Do You Want Me To Do? Listen online at thejourney.fm. Here now is Pastor Steve. Well, how many of us have ever prayed, Dear God, tell me, what do you want me to do? Anybody ever pray that prayer? Mm-hmm. I think uh, perhaps a few thousand times we have prayed, Dear God, tell me what you want me to do. There have been so many times in my life, see if you can relate to this, where I wish that God would have shown up and said, Steve, I'm glad that you asked. This is what you're supposed to do. But you know what I have found? He never does that. And it seems quite unfair because you read in the Bible where he did that, you know, on on many occasions. In fact, in the scriptures, God communicated his will through visions, burning bushes, Pillars of fire, donkeys, still small voices, the Urim and Thummim, whatever that was, angels, prophets, and even sometimes ungodly people he would speak through directly. How many of us would like a burning bush every once in a while? Huh? I could go for that. Yet, in spite of that, we make hundreds, if not thousands of decisions every single week. You did that this last week. How many prayers this week were given asking God for guidance in some particular area of life, some decision that needs to be made? Thousands of those probably as well. So all of that to say that I think there are few areas that we'd better understand better than the whole aspect of how to know God's will for your life. God's word is his will. This is what he has given us to guide us in our lives and in the decisions that uh, that we make. So that God's will, first and foremost, what I want you to get, is not something that needs to be found in the sense that it has not been revealed yet. God's will for us is something that is to be discovered in the sense that it is the application of what God has told us already to the various decisions that we make in life. Now today what we're going to do is we're going to continue to expand on this and try to develop a biblical, a proper biblical approach to discerning what God's will is for us. I'd like you to turn to Colossians 1 with me. This will be our main text today, Colossians 1. Look at verse 9. This is a prayer that Paul offers, and basically what he does here, and he does this oftentimes in his letters, he tells them what they're, he tells the Colossians what he's praying for them. So it's kind of like we get to listen in on a prayer of the Apostle Paul. 
And what he says here is quite interesting. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. Now notice, first of all, that this is something that Paul says that he prayed for them nearly every day. Ever since he heard about them, he has been constantly praying this prayer, something very important to the apostle. The goal of the prayer is in verse 10, that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. Paul viewed his prayers as a means to the goal, which was that the Colossians would be a church and would be individuals that are living in a way that pleases God. That's the goal. Okay, Paul, that's the goal. How do we get there? How do we come to the place where we are pleasing the Lord with our life? And this is what he describes now in verse 9. He says, I pray that God would fill you with the knowledge of his will. The word there for knowledge is, there's a, there's a Greek word for knowledge, and then there's a Greek word for knowledge that has a little preposition on it, epi. And when the epi preposition is on the knowledge word, it very specifically means clear understanding, as opposed to maybe a general understanding of something. Like you probably have things in your life that you generally understand, but you don't know it really in, in specific. This is the feeling I get when I walk into a kitchen. You know, it's sort of a vague understanding of what these devices are for, but I don't know very specifically. We have those kind of things in our lives. This word is saying not a general idea of what God might want. I'm praying that he would fill you with a clear-headed understanding of what God's will is for you. What is his will? Paul wanted them to know. How do we know that will clearly? He goes on to describe the means to that through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Notice what he does not say. He doesn't pray that God would give them a sign. The means to knowing the will of God is through spiritual wisdom and understanding. Suffice it to say right now that the difference between wisdom and knowledge is that wisdom is the practical side of knowledge. Wisdom is what takes the, the value of knowledge and applies it to everyday life. You ever go to Home Depot or Lowe's and they have one of these uh, demonstrations going on and you can sign up and you can go learn how to put a deck on or you can learn how to, how to put a hardwood floor in or to do some of that uh, faux painting stuff that they, that they um, will teach you. You ever see them doing that when you walk in there and people are sitting down and they're learning how to do, how to do it? You can take that class, you can read the, the materials that they give you, but you know when you find out how well you know it? When you get home and you got the stuff out and you're looking, you're like, okay, now, what do I do again? Knowledge passes the written test. Wisdom puts that knowledge into practice. He says, I want you to have knowledge of his will that comes through spiritual wisdom and understanding. So what Paul prays here in Colossians 1 is the same thing that he teaches in Romans chapter 12, which is that doing the will of God begins with knowing his will and not just knowing it, but a kind of delighting in the will of God that puts it into practice in everyday life. 
This is what is known as discernment. That's another word you'll need to be familiar with. Discernment, wisdom. The discernment of God's will and the delight in God's will is what produces the goal, which is in verse 9, that we would please the Lord and live in a manner worthy of him. So what I'm saying here is, here we have the Apostle Paul, first century, New Testament church. And he is essentially teaching on how Christians can know the will of God in Romans 12 and in Colossians 1. And he says the same thing in both verses. And what he doesn't say is all the things that I find many Christians doing in order to know the will of God. Don't do those things. There is a, there is a better way, there is a more biblical way that we're going to deal with this morning in order to please the Lord. And I think maybe a question we can ask right now of ourselves as you sit here today and you think about the decisions maybe that you made this week, do you think the Lord is pleased with you right now? Am I pleasing him? Am I fulfilling his will? Which brings up, I think, a dilemma. And this is a dilemma that many Christians, I think, are confused on when it comes to the will of God. The Bible describes the will of God really from two different angles. Let's talk about the two wills of God. You have, on the first hand, you have what is known as the hidden will of God. It's also called the decreed will of God. And then you have the revealed will of God, also called the perceptive will of God. The hidden will and the revealed will. Now let's talk about both of these. For the hidden will, there are many passages that talk about this. We're going to look at two of them today. Deuteronomy 29, 29. This is what it says. The secret things belong to the Lord, our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may follow all the words of this law. The secret things belong to the Lord. Now, what this verse does, and many others, it makes a distinction between the will of God as God understands it and knows it and the will of God that he has chosen to reveal to us. The secret things are, is the hidden will. The law represents the revealed will. Now, this eternal will is secret in this sense, that in eternity past, God in his own wisdom and according to his own eternal purposes, decided everything that is going to happen in human history. He wrote the script for the entire saga that we are now are a part of this drama right now in our little period of time in human history. But in eternity past, God wrote the whole thing. Now guess who knows that will? Only God. Now, he's revealed some of it to us. We know some of the story. We have, even to this day, we know some things that are going to happen in the future because God has given us the purposes uh, uh, through prophecy for what's going to happen in the future. But we really don't know that much. And we certainly don't know why God does all of the things that he does. That's something that is in his hidden will. Here's Ephesians 1.11. In him we also were chosen having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out, here it is, everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. He works out everything. Now, what isn't included in everything? Nothing, right? There is no detail 
of our lives, there's no detail on the big scheme, on the, on the small scheme, that God is not sovereignly working and controlling and accomplishing his purposes, which he laid out in eternity past. It's the eternal decreed will of God. Now, what this means for us as we seek to determine God's will is that from one perspective, everything that we do fulfills the will of God. But we don't know that plan. We can't know that plan. In some ways, I would say it'd be blasphemous for us try to, to try to figure it out. And that's the problem with this side of God's will is that it is hidden from us. And this is the big problem, by the way, with many people, I don't know why this was taught, it has been, it's like ingrained in many of our minds, that God has one perfect plan for your life. And every decision that you make, you've got to weigh and evaluate, is this God's perfect will for my life? And what happens, I said this last week, is when you're thinking that way about living life, you spend all of your time agonizing over every decision. Is it God's will? I don't know. I'm just not going to make a decision. And then after you make the decision, you look back and you say, I just, I don't, was that a mistake? Was that not the one that, you know, what, what God wanted me to do? And people are paralyzed in their decision-making because of a wrong view of how we're to deal and uh, fulfill the will of God. Even Jesus recognized this. Think of Christ in the, at the Garden of Gethsemane. There he is. He knows what God's will is. It was revealed to him in eternity past. And yet there in the Garden, in his humanity, he prays. And he says, he says this to the Father. Father, if there's any way for this cup to pass from me, may it be so. What does he say then? Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. What will is he talking about? The eternally purposed will that God has for all things, that he is working out everything in conformity to. He yields to that will, no matter what it would mean for him. This is what people mean if you hear people say this, well, Lord willing, we'll see you next Friday. Now, why do Christians say that? Well, it's because James 4 tells us that we are not to make our plans as if we are the masters of our own futures and to not realize that God is the one who is controlling the futures of our lives. So he says, don't make plans and just act like you're going to do it. He says, rather, if the Lord is willing, we will do that. And that's why many people will, will say that. There's nothing wrong with that. But we have to recognize it's only if God wills things to happen that they are going to happen. And what will are we talking about? The eternally willed, decreed plan of God. Psalm 115, verse 3. Our God is in heaven. He does whatever pleases him. Our God is in heaven. He does whatever pleases him. God is ruling and reigning, and he has a right to do whatever he wants to do, which is the key to understanding Romans 9 and the whole aspect of salvation in terms of election. You've got to understand that God is God and he can do whatever he wants to do and what he wants to do, he decreed in eternity past. And everything is conforming with that plan. So to agonize over whether or not our decisions are fulfilling the eternally planned will of God is futile and completely unnecessary. Whatever we do is going to fulfill his will and there's nothing that we can do about it. All right, now here's the other side of God's will. The other side is known as the revealed will of God. This is, I put pleasure up here because what I mean by that is that this is, th these are the things that God delights in. This is what pleases him. Now remember, as a result of the fall, 
Obedience to God and knowledge of his will became counterintuitive. What became intuitive? Sin, selfishness, disobedience to God. What did God do? We talked about this last week. In order that fallen mankind would know what would actually please him. He spoke it in the prophets and he wrote it down in the scriptures. Which is why as we hold this word in our hands, this is God's revealed will. You can put it on this. You can write this on your Bible. The Holy Bible, what makes God happy? How we should live in order to make God happy. He's given this now to us, which is the second part of Deuteronomy 29, 29. The first part is the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever. What's the purpose of them? That we may follow all the words of this law. Why did God reveal his will to us? So that we might know him and know how to live in a way that pleases him. And how do we please him? By doing everything that's found in this law. So that in the word, what God has done is he has laid down, first of all, moral parameters for the decisions that we make. Moral parameters. And has given us wisdom for all non-moral decisions. Let me say that again. He has given us moral parameters for moral decisions, and he has given us principles and wisdom for all non-moral decisions. Wherever God has spoken his revealed will in a moral category, we do not even have to wonder what he wants us to do or what God's will is in this. It is always to obey. Bethel, hear me. It is always to obey. If God has spoken and said, this is what you are to do, do it. No questions asked. No brainer. This is what God wants me to do. Obedience brings his pleasure. He delights to see us obeying his will. And when we disobey, of course, the negative consequences that he has built into his moral law in this moral world all come crashing down upon us. So that the hidden will is never violated. Even sinful men are fulfilling the hidden will of God. But God's revealed will is violated all the time, isn't it? We are the ones that are disoriented when we want to do something other than what God has revealed in his moral law. So no questions asked. Where God has spoken, this is his will. It is never his will for us to sin. The Puritans used to talk about that. If you have to choose between sin and suffering, no matter what it is, never choose sin. It is always God's will that we would suffer rather than to sin. Now you're sitting here going, okay, pastor, right. We need to obey God's word. I could have told you that. I didn't need to come to church today. Well, the reason that you say that is that really most of our decisions that we struggle with are not in moral categories. They're in all of these other decisions that we face where we're not exactly sure which way to go and what God might want us to do. So I want to give you a biblical model now for, uh, for decision-making that, that pleases the Lord. Here it is. I'm quoting St. Augustine who said, love God and do as you please. Love God and do as you please. Some of you right now are saying to yourself, that can't be right. Because I know the Christian life's all about doing all the things that you really don't want to do. And God, God's will is always whatever's going to make me most unhappy. Or is that just me? You're all thinking, well, I never thought that. Listen to Romans 12, 2 again. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. 
Here's what happens. Salvation brings about a transformation inwardly in my heart, which leads then to a change in my mind and in my values and the way that I look at life. This is the renewing of our mind from Romans 12 too. This renewal also changes my desires. The things that I used to want to do and the things that I used to really prioritize now no longer are valued to me. I've got this change going on. We look at life from this new biblical perspective. And since, listen now, since the word of God is the will of God, that one fruit of that transformation in my heart is that now the desires that I have, I am free to do what I want to do because what I want to do is guided by the word of God and to please him, which ends up uh, leading me to a life that that is worthy of the Lord and pleases him. That was about as clear as mud, wasn't it? It's a lot clearer in my notes. Let me, try to, let me backtrack and let's try to say that again. When I get saved, when I give my life to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to live within me. And there is this whole change called regeneration. Now I am spiritually alive, everything's changing. It is a process though. It begins small in my heart. But as my heart changes and as I am filled with the knowledge of his will from Colossians 1, or renewed in my mind from Romans 12 too, I now begin to look at life from a different perspective and my desires are changing. My desires now are conforming with God's word, which is his will, which means now I am free to do what I want because what I want is what God wants in my life. That was better. God changes us. And when he changes us, he conforms our desires to his desires, which means that we are free to do whatever we want to do. Because whatever we want to do is what God wants us to do. Most of the time. Most of the time. Now, let's talk about a proper goal. You say, I want to know what God's will is in my life. Let's talk about a proper goal. Here's the goal that all Christians have to have. As you sit here today, what is the number one goal in your life? Let me tell you what it ought to be. Clearly from the word of God. It is this. I want to please the Lord. I want to please the Lord with my life more than anything else. Here's a couple scriptures uh, that go with this. First of all, 2 Corinthians 5, 9. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. Or 1 Corinthians 10, 31, a verse that ought to just kind of flow off of all of our lips. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. My desire in my life is to glorify God and to please him. Bottom line, that's it. That's what I want to do in my life. We all should have that heart. As the psalmist said, Who do I have in heaven but you? And there's nothing on earth that I desire besides you. May we feel that same way. You're listening to The Journey with Steve DeWitt and the start of a message titled, Dear God, What Do You Want Me To Do? If you'd like to replay it or share it with a friend, visit us online at thejourney.fm. That's where you can also find our complete message archive, send us an email, access relevant studies, or connect with our online community. Again, that's thejourney.fm. Well, here at The Journey, our mission is to guide you in your faith journey towards the unchanging truth found in God's Word. That's why each day on the radio and web, we take our listeners into the depths of Scripture while making the truth easy to understand and applicable to daily life. But as a listener-supported program, We couldn't do it without you. The journey relies in part on the financial gift of generous friends just like you, which allow us to share the truth of the gospel 
to listeners all around the country. So would you join hands with us in our mission today? You can call 844-7-JOURNEY. That's 844-756-8763. Or give online at thejourney.fm. And to express our gratitude for your gift today, we'll say thanks by sending you decision-making and the will of God. Does God have a perfect will for each Christian? Can you be absolutely certain of God's specific will for your life? Author Gary Friesen says yes and offers a biblical alternative to the traditional view on this topic. Discover how to find God's will for your own life when you request your copy today. Call 844-7-JOURNEY. That's 844-756-8763. Or visit thejourney.fm. I'm Tim Svoboda. Come back tomorrow for another insightful message from Pastor Steve, all about decision-making and the will of God. That's Friday on The Journey. Today's program was produced and furnished by Bethel Church in Crown Point, Indiana.